Yo, yo, yo. What's good? Welcome to Counter Currents. This is your host, Petey Steele. And your co-host, Elena Torres. And our guest today, uh, he's another one in the club that I've uh, heard of for a long time. Uh, probably one of those even where people would say his name and I'm like, yeah, I know him, but never met him before. Uh, <laughs> please welcome the hilarious comedian, Tommy Simbazo. Yay! Hi, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so good to be here. You're another one where I hear I hear your name all over the place, but we've never crossed paths. I know. Meanwhile, I can't get rid of Petey. I know. <laughs> I'm not new to this piece of shit neither. Did you guys start <laughs> yeah. at the same I'm time? I'm just glad you're not. Hmm? You're, you're glad I'm not what? Well, I, where did I meet it? I don't know where I met Petey. He just, I've, I've known Petey for a long time. Petey's been doing comedy. I've known Petey. Yeah, the, the cellar door, Frederick. There you go. 2012. Man, I you have a much better memory than I do. <laughs> yeah, man. Long time ago. But, yeah, it was great. You've always been, like, kind of a mentor to me out of the, you know, 10 or so people oh. I can ask trade questions for and all that shit. So I appreciate it. It's been great watching I just like continue to grow, you know? Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. I have actually – I have a, a Hulu special coming out later this year. You do? Wow. I don't know if you guys know. Yeah. That's awesome. And I got that from doing, I, it was a guy I did shows for six years ago in DC. Uh, and he reached out and he said, hey, man, um, I, I now have a job working with Adam Carolla's distribution company. Do you want a comedy special? And I was like, okay. Of course, this, and then I, so he told me that in, he was like, yeah, the, the date is uh, February. It was like the first week of February. It was, we were right two weeks away from the end of January. In the middle of, so I hit every open mic, got every guest spot I could up until then. I did the comedy special on a Sunday. I had COVID by Wednesday. <gasps> no way. Yeah. Yep. No and spent way. the next five days in the hospital with COVID. You went to the hospital with it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you're okay. What kind of symptoms did you have? Uh, they, they, I felt fine, just like a little run down, uh, but my uh, fiance's niece brought over an oxygen sensor and you're supposed to be like above 92 and I was at like 89. So, and then in the hospital, they just put me on oxygen for five days and uh, they said, okay, you have a small pneumonia in your lung. And then they addressed my diabetes. It was a whole thing. Wow. It was very boring. And guess, here's the kicker. I didn't have health insurance at the time. But oh, shit. No. So, because it's COVID, do you get like some sort of wave or did you have to pay for all that? I hope so. I hope that you get the COVID bump. I hope they're like, yeah. oh, COVID, you're good. That'll be cool. So I don't have to fake my own death. Yeah. Wow. So so no bills have arrived yet, I take it. Not yet. Not yet. How does that uh, work? I mean, do they wait to like FY22 before they tell you your life's know. over or what? Well, this wait, is this my first. February, was this February 2020 or February 2021? 2021. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it luckily it was at the back end of COVID where right. but I, talking to the, the nurses in there, they said that um, this one, she said that she when last year at that same time, they were working in um, in a um, elder care facility. And she said that the people would wake up in the morning, have breakfast and be dead by dinner. And they had they had no idea what was going on. Yeah. 
fucking bananas. My old man, I mean, he was staying in kind of like a subsidized community and for older people. And I remember calling over there to be like, what gifts? Because we'd gotten him out of there and taken him to his place in Florida. And they were like, oh, yeah, you know, nobody here contracted it here, but two people had to go to like rehabs for falls or things like that. And they caught it in the other facilities and died. Yeah. So it's like, bam. Yeah. That fast. The special announcement. I'm doing a lot of. Because <laughs> that's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luckily, it's an hour. It's, it's my farewell special. It's yeah. my in memoriam. Yeah. <laughs> Very special episode. It, I'm yeah. calling it Tommy Simbazo in the arms of the angels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, where did you record it? Uh, Arlington Cinema Draft House. Awesome. Right here at our, our yeah. spot. I'm surprised no one told us, Pete. Yeah, yeah we should have had you on. I, I made it. Uh, the post that I made about it got a lot of like comments. Okay, a lot of people said, "I see this, and good for you." I, yeah, I may have even liked it and forgot already. I apologize. <laughs> but we're we're to the point now because they said that um, what they're going to do is take the audio from it and make an album and put that out on Spotify and CD Baby and uh, Sirius. And so they've already had me scrub through the metadata where I listened to the raw audio and said, okay, from this timestamp to this timestamp, this is called this joke. Uh, this from this timestamp to this timestamp is this joke. You have to edit it because we restarted the joke in the middle of it. And then uh, I sent them that. And then this week they messaged me back asking about if I had any ideas for album art. So I sent them some art and I'm waiting to hear back from that. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. And Filming a special, how how did you do it? Was it like one and done, or did you get like several tries at the hour with the camera? How did that work? Uh, they basically had a three camera setup. One was focused on me. The other two was getting crowd shots and other reactions. Right. And they said um, they were like, "Hey, uh, if you flub a joke, just stop." go back and redo it. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird. I'm not going to do that. I did that three <laughs> times. <laughs> but, and then at the end, they were like, hey, there's uh, there's some stuff where you did a lot of big motion uh, that we want to go back and have you redo it and get it from different camera angles. So, uh, but, and then afterwards they came up and said, hey, that was great. The only problem is we didn't start recording audio until four minutes in. So we need you to do the first four minutes again. And oh. within three minutes, I, I had a crowd work bit that uh, I had to try to get this woman to say exactly what she said. Before. Oh, God, it was such a nightmare oh, to try sucks. to prod this woman. Uh, yeah. So well, that's we're going to see how it turns out. We did the full hour one time because like a lot of the Netflix mm -hmm. ones, like I know when Dave Chappelle was in D.C., he shot, he did the same set, but he did it for like 10 days, three times. Yeah, yeah. And you just wear the same outfit and then that's they just right. splice it all together that's right. yeah i wish the best I, that would have been cool i would i really yeah. like that but my yeah. goal like every year i set myself new comedy goals something that i want to accomplish that year in comedy yeah. and my goal for this year was to have a special and i had um i was working on stuff of my own footage that i had from other shows like i had one show uh, that was supposed to be part of a documentary, um, but no, the documentary never got made. I got all the raw camera feeds and direct mic audio, and I was like, I'll do it myself, 
come to find out I was missing 30 seconds of camera coverage. And so I decided, okay, well, I'll just animate. Uh, there's Adobe character animator is dummy easy to use. So I paid an illustrator to make a cartoon character of me in that outfit. And I was just going to animate another camera feed to, uh, to do. Uh, but then once I got into that, I had audio from another show where it was a 45 minute set that was just all about my past. I'm at work, my drug history, my yeah. drugs that I had tried. Uh, funny stories about that. Uh, it was a great set. Uh, so I planned on taking that direct mic audio then and just animating that audio with the intention that it be watched while on hallucinogens. So, uh, so I was planning all that. And then this, then the next week I got a, I got a message from the guy saying, Hey, do you want a special? So I still have two other specials on the back burner that I might end up release this year. So could you watch this special and turn the audio down and just put on dark side of the moon and be like, fine. Yeah. I, uh, that, that's a great, that we're going to make it sync up to a weird Al album. It's not going to be dark side of the moon. You have to listen. It syncs up to even worse. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, how long have you been doing comedy total? What's the tally of years? I did eight in my twenties. I started doing uh, improv, and I did eight years improv, and then the improv troupe turned into a uh, short film troupe, and then that got turned. Well, actually, that improv troupe got turned into a sketch troupe, and then that became a short film troupe. And then I was so far away from doing comedy that I told him I was like, I gotta, I gotta go. And then um, I left there and started doing stand-up, and that was 15 years ago. So I've been doing 15 years stand-up and then eight years improv. So do you feel that it was kind of a happy accident that you started stand-up? Like, otherwise, you'd still be in the same improv troupe for 23 years? Well, no, I knew I wanted to leave because, like I said, my, my I'd always wanted to do stand-up. I'd always okay. wanted to be a stand-up comedian. And then I went to college with uh, Violet Gray. You guys know Violet Gray? Yeah, Dorian, yeah. I, I went to college with Dorian, and Dorian – got me um he was like hey you need to start doing improv with me and i was like okay so i went to improv and then after a year of that he left to go to start doing stand-up and i stayed in for another seven years and then um i was actually then he was i i had it in my heart that i wanted to leave uh this troupe and that's when he was like it's now it's time that you start stand-up and i was like okay so we started hitting open mics and everything uh, T. Brad Hudson's room, uh, the drink till we're funny, high tops, the high tops. Yep. or Damon's, Damon's Bar and Grill before that. Yeah. I never was at Damon's, but yeah. Wow. Damon's. T. Brad taking it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Way before, way before. Well, back then there was, there was only in Baltimore, there was, uh, that was the only open mic in Baltimore, unless you could get in at the comedy factory or uh, win the Magoobies New Talent Showcase. There was only really one room. So we would hit that weekly. And then, um, I mean, now, uh, the past five or six years, there's been such an explosion in the area of, uh, you know, bar shows, open mics and everything. So there's really a much larger community now. Yeah. And you've seemed to have kind of like risen beyond it um but still kind of stayed tethered to the baltimore roots i'm looking at your jacket of pins now and i see if your underarm <laughs> right on it i have a That's- show tonight i have to this is a show jacket 
Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> no, but um, my whole my whole thing was when I was starting out and coming up, there really wasn't anybody to ask questions to uh, about what to do. Hey, where can I get headshots? You know, what, what's a bio? You know, there there wasn't really anyone to ask that. So once I got uh, once the community started to really blossom, maybe even uh, eight years ago. Uh, I really started to make, I wanted to be the person I wish was in the scene when I was going up, where yeah. it was someone that uh, could, I even had, I, I put on a free four week seminar at McGooby's on Wednesday nights. It was I remember uh, that. an electronic, electronic press kit seminar. And it was just telling everybody come. I had Andrew come in say what he looks for in demos. Here's how you film a demo. Uh, I had everybody pair off into writing, uh, writing partners to write bios for themselves um, because I, I thoroughly believe that whereas I would love to say that comedy is a merit-based system, it's not. Uh, often it's the person, it's the loudest voice in the room. If you're able to sell yourself, you'll go further than a person who can crush. And uh, so you're the business side of your comedy, you're the, uh, you're the product that you're selling, that has to grow along with your set. So um, when any, anytime anybody gives shit to an open micer because they have headshots or business cards, it's like, well, I mean, it's funny now until a booker asks for a headshot and a business card and you don't have it, yeah. you know? Yeah, I remember when you told me that same thing in 2014, how you went to Tom Simmons and he said, yeah, hey, do you have a clip for your TV set? And you were like, oh, I don't have that. And you, you were, he was like, that's a business plan or something like that. Yeah, yeah. He was like, oh, that's a great plan. He was like, man, I'd love to hear your TV set. And I was like, I don't have a TV set. And he was like, oh, that's a good plan. And I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, I guess I guess I should try to make myself more marketable. <laughs> well, it's amazing. I mean, you see people that make themselves marketable that aren't yeah. even all that great, and they still yeah. take off, you know? I it's mean, cool. I don't want to name the same person that I think we all know, but he's got his leather coat, his well-parted hair, and three um, albums. I, and, yeah. Let's call him. Let's call him Mom Tires. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he. I mean, as much as people shit on him, he has. He has he really knows what he's doing about how to sell himself and how yep. to take his product. I say that he's worked every show and he's worked every room in America once. Uh, I mean, he's not coming back, but he gets his foot <laughs> in the door. You know, uh, yeah. I've Austin said that funny doesn't get you booked. Funny gets you booked again. So yeah. it, it's all that it's all that groundwork and getting up and contacting bookers and getting your foot in the door. And then once you actually get on that show, then you have to back up what the, then you have to cash the check that your mouth wrote. So that's so true. Actually, that's such a good I'm, I'm going to take that with me. Funny doesn't get you booked. Funny gets you booked again. Because yeah. that's so true. And it's funny you're talking about all this because I know your headshot. Like just from Facebook or whatever, like yeah. I have I know your headshot and mm -hmm. it's a very it's a very memorable who did that for you and how did you come up with that? uh that was my see now my that, that all stemmed from my first headshot dave chauffeur did my first headshot do you know who dave chauffeur is no uh dave chauffeur at the time at, at the time was a booker uh and a stop booking comedy he booked uncle dave's comedy show it was what was it uncle dave's comedy yeah what uncle dave comedy yeah, Uncle Dave comedy, which is like, okay, it's creepy enough. Uh, you might as well call yourself. 
but we went out to Kingsville Community College and he took some pictures of me. And my first headshot, I found a piece of caution tape on the ground and I, I tied it around my mouth. And that got me so much bullshit from other comics that I was like, well, at least it's a headshot. Right. And then I found um, Travis Marshall is one of my other favorite um, photographers in Baltimore. And yep. Travis did headshots for me. And uh, really, uh, I mean, that that headshot, I love my headshot now. Mm-hmm. And uh, but also that was another thing I did with the electronic press kit, um, the EDK classes. Uh, since I had a group of comics together, I reached out to area photographers and said, hey, can you give a group discount uh, to do this group of comics for headshots? So they were getting like cool. six headshots for 30 bucks from really good uh, photographers. Right. But yeah, you have to, and it's all about, I've taken some uh, business and comedy uh, classes where um, about branding and everything. And uh, did you, like Steve Hofstetter, he apparently only wears the color blue. And uh, wow. I, because his colors are orange and blue, all of his marketing is orange and blue. Everything is orange and blue. He just picked two colors and I tried to call bullshit on him, but I couldn't prove that he doesn't wear orange and blue. So... I mean, I mean, as far as we're if we're gonna name names, I mean, I think the biggest gen- the biggest genius actually that I know with marketing, I don't know if you know her, is Parasache. I think, I mean, she's a great comedian. Also, yeah. Oh yeah. But oh, her marketing yeah. is like, oh, I'm, I, I mean, and the more I do comedy, the more I'm in awe of like how, how, what a good system she's created. Like her look oh, yeah. is memorable. You know, well, she, I've. I've run into, I've worked with her twice. And each time, apparently the first time I worked with her, I said, hi, hey Paris, I'm, I'm Tommy Simbaza. And then the second time I worked with her, I said, hey Paris, I'm Tommy Simbaza. And she was like, we've already met before. But then I looked back and if you, she totally changed her look. Now, yeah. uh, totally, and so I didn't recognize her. And uh, yeah, she, and one, she has the funny to back it up. And two, has the business acumen to, that she deserves everything that she's getting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've heard that from several people that she did not used to look the way that mm-hmm. she did now. And I think she's someone who her comedy, you know, she worked on her comedy and then the look came second, but it's like, mm-hmm. it's so well thought out. I mean, every yeah. piece of it. And like the difficult thing, especially when you're a woman with like comedy looks is like, you can't overdress it, but you can't underdress it and finding like the right look because you're going from like a theater show to some like shitty mic where like, yeah. <laughs> So like you can't wear like heels like it's a very hard mm-hmm. you know for like for like women's fat but I think men too like for fat fashion wise I feel like that's been something I've struggled with like how do I work an outfit that can go from in all the different places that comedy will take you in one night and yeah. be memorable the whole time where it doesn't look like you're trying to well that's another thing with uh, with female comedians that the only the only time that I've ever heard the criticism has been about a female comedian. It was like, are you trying to be funny? Or are you trying to be sexy? And that, you know, you don't get guy comics. Don't get that. Yeah. But, we get, and it's well, like, I, I think that's a sad trope is like, you yeah. get, and, and also if, I mean, I have had the issue where I've sort of like overdressed where I've looked almost too good for something and it's mm-hmm. way harder to get laughs and yeah. it's simple outfit choices. Like, you gotta wear black or you know like wearing dark colors or you know nothing with like a floral print like shit like that mm-hmm. then it makes a huge when difference. i first started 
when I first started, I read Steve Martin's biography, uh, Born Standing Up, right? And in it, he says, use everything in your act, use everything that you know how to do, right? And uh, so I, oh God, there are pictures of me. I used to go on stage wearing red plaid punk pants. Like I had a bunch of different colors of plaid pants. I would wear a shirt that matched uh, that had colors that matched the pants. I'd wear a bandana that matched the pants, and I wore a bowler cap. And I used to carry a bongo drum on the stage with me. I was <laughs> going to mention that. I'd heard the bongo wow. stories. I didn't know if that was true or false. Yeah, yeah. And what happened was, uh, it wasn't until I stopped wearing that stuff that I was then able to connect to the audience. Wow. Uh, because before I was just I just looked like a clown and the wow. I, I was having trouble making that connection to the audience to get them to laugh with me. Right. Right. Well, once you spruced up and got those Ted Kaczynski specs and that uh, jean jacket. <laughs> yeah, it was fucking smooth yeah. sailing from there on. Once out. I grew this mustache, uh, things started changing. But like what I always wonder that with people who use like like prop comics or people who like need a prop for their joke, it's like you gotta carry that shit around to so yeah. much. Like, what if you yeah. forget it? Well, that's one of that when Steve Martin said use everything, I, I build things. I build all sorts of weird crap. Like right. here's like here's my bag that I carry around. Like this, I made this bag and like it's got purple liner in it and everything. Like this took me three months to make this bag. My joke book, I I just I just make things. And yeah, so no, I do. used to make my own, huh? I remember you built like LARP stuff. You made like a mechanical yeah. dragon that like blew fire yeah. and shit what? like that, right? Yeah, I have a, I have a Pooty. I have a dragon named Pooty that I built. Uh, but <laughs> I went back, God, this. <laughs> Pooty. <laughs> there was one time I, I made a, I, I had this idea for a bit. I went and bought a two foot double headed dildo. And I built a rig where it would it would it would strap to the inside of my thigh, and the end of it had fishing twine that connected to a ring on my hand. And so if I pull, if I raise my hands up, it would pull a foot and a half of dick out of the front of my pants, and it was puppeted by my hand. And this is back when we were doing Damon's like a rib joint in Hunt Valley. An open mic. And I got up and I was like, <laughs> I was like, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank everyone for coming here. But mostly I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus. And when I raised my hand, a foot and a half of dick came out. And there's families with kids eating ribs. <laughs> it got nothing. It was so fucking quiet in there. <laughs> and then I couldn't just put, I had to go to the bathroom to put it away. So I had to walk through this crowd to put this dick away. And I never used it. That was when I was like, I'm never doing a prop again. It took a two-foot dick at a rib place. <laughs> I, had a, I had a bongo drum. I had this big conga drum that I would only use for one bit, and I could raise it up and pull a string, and it would shoot confetti out of it at a rib joint. And I was like, yeah, this, this maybe might not be the scene for this. So, <laughs> Do you remember when we worked, what was it, the Baltimore Comedy Factory for Teddy Carpenter back in 2014? And he put us yeah. out of the green room. He just wanted it for himself and for whatever yeah. visitors he had coming back or whatever. We pretty much got relegated to like the whites only stairwell on the way to the stage, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. And the whole time you were like carving out some kind of like, I don't know what it was. It, it seemed to have kind of like a Navajo element to it or whatever. It was oh, like yeah. Small, I was doing, I was wallet. doing, uh, I was tooling leather uh, for something. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just, pastime by tooling leather 
I <laughs> I tell you the, the the person who put me out of the green room that I, I really didn't mind was uh the I worked with Paulie Shore. And Paulie Shore is one of those guys where he's like, he doesn't want anybody in the green room. So the first night I wasn't in the green room. Second night I was, I wasn't in the green room and he actually came out. He was like, Hey man, I got some food. You want some food? And I was like, uh, sure. I'll come in. And we're sitting there eating. And apparently, I mean, I don't believe that he grew up in the comedy store without some comic telling him to chew with his fucking mouth closed. Because the whole time he's just eating like, and I'm like, can I please leave the room, Paulie? Like, can you, you're, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you, buddy. Quit wheezing those chicken tenders. I actually told, that would be, I feel like that's the ultimate sign that you've been raised by comics. Like they forgot to teach him how to chew with his fucking mouth closed. Like that sounds about right. No, I think I, I mean you can't tell me that like Richard Pryor didn't once tell him shut your fucking mouth, kid. Like, uh, or maybe they were like, <laughs> so let him chew then. like that. It's gonna drive people crazy. They were, but they were so fucked up back then at the store. Like all the comics, like he was basically raised by people who were just like on coke at all times. That's why I mean, that's what he said in that comedy store documentary. He's like, I saw everybody and I didn't do drugs because of all the crazy shit I saw. Well, maybe it's, they just said, you know what? If we talk slick to him, his mother will never give us another spot. So we'll just be right. yeah. an asshole. That's and right. They were know? like, keep chewing like that, bud. Louder. Yeah, well, how about Tommy the time? I love this story. Um, speaking of all your great leather work and such with uh, Ralphie May. Do you remember this story? Oh, yes. Yeah. I worked with Ralphie May for a weekend. God rest his soul. Yep. And uh, I thought I had great fucking set because there was times where Ralphie, I had to, they would, I would be on stage about ready to bring him up and they'd be like, stretch, stretch. It's because it was taking Ralphie so long to walk across the parking lot from his tour bus to the front door that I had to stretch and do more material. But every show I thought, I thought I did great. They were nice and warmed up for him. And I remember I was back in the green room and, uh, Ralphie's manager came uh, came back to the green room and was like, hey, Tommy, um, Ralphie wants to see you out on the stage. And I was like, okay, now this is the end of the night. I go there and Ralphie's just laying on the stage vaping weed. And he was like, Uncle Tommy, Uncle Tommy, I'm going to make you rich, Uncle Tommy. And I was like, oh, Ra- Ralphie, this is such a big, such a big honor. Uh, I really am. I'm very humbled. He was like, yeah, can you make me a shirt out of leather? <laughs> I was like, out of cow? Like what? <laughs> he didn't want anything to do with my comedy. He just wanted me to make a fucking shirt out of leather. God damn! Wow, and that's a lot cow. of leather. That's an expensive. Yeah, I, yeah. That's how many cows are you gonna wear? Ralph? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need the whole cow for that. Maybe <laughs> he pulls up the hood and it's still got like horns on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he buttons it. It has udders. No, no, I didn't make it for him. He died before I even thought about doing it. Like he died, he died maybe uh, two or three months after uh, he, I worked with him. So, and I didn't want to do it. That's not the kind of leather work I do. I don't do giant shirts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm above doing giant shirts. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a leather patch big enough to like just cut out a sheath for Ralphie May? Yeah. No, you, I would have, have to yeah, that thing would cost a whole bunch of shit. It would, yeah, it would have cost me so much money and materials that it would. I'd be like, uh, Ralphie, this is a two thousand dollars shirt because I had to hand stitch all this. Oh my God! Mm. Wow. Yeah. So, 
<laughs> so no, but he was a great guy. Ralphie's a good guy. Was stories the stories that that comics have for opening for all these people, but you can't really. It's it's scary because you can't really tell a lot of them. Just you want to keep working. And then I feel like like with his mouth. Do you have any other good ones of people you open for? You don't have to name. Um, them if you want to. Trying to think. I just did a drop-in set for Whitney Cummings when oh, she came that? to Goobies. Well, so I we were I was supposed to do a live po- uh, podcast for this other uh, another podcast happy hour uh, happy hour podcast, mm-hmm. and he wanted to do a live show, but didn't he and didn't have any equipment to do a live show. And uh, when we were doing our podcast uh, Laugh Finder out of Goobies. I, we have a mobile studio with seven mics and everything at Magoobies. So I went to Magoobies on a Thursday night to just grab my equipment. Parking lot is packed. I uh, had to park, uh, had to park like the next park, parking lot over. As I'm walking in, uh, there's Mike Quinlan, comedian Mike Quinlan. I'm, I'm like, hey, who's here? And he was like, oh, it's Whitney Cummings. And I was like, oh, okay. So I go in, the show's already started. So I, I can't get my stuff out of the back. I know I have to wait till the end of the night to get all my stuff. So um, I go in and I go, meanwhile, I walk, when I walk in, her feature act is crushing. Guy, high energy, uh, just crushing. I don't, I didn't catch his name. Didn't catch his name. Doing a great job. Um, but so I went to the bar, Wits End, where I was hanging out with other comics. And there was an open mic there. So we're all shooting the shit. And apparently Quinlan actually went to Magoobies to ask Andrew Unger, the owner of Magoobies, if he could do a guest spot for Whitney. And he was like, no, 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 no guest spots. She, we're not doing any guest spots. So it turns out that Whitney's flight was late and they lost her luggage. So she was running an hour behind. Uh, so they needed someone to fill time. And Quinn, uh, apparently, <laughs> Andrew came walking out right over to me and Mike, pushed Mike out of the way to ask me if I would do time uh, on Whitney, uh, you know, for Whitney. And he was like, can you do five minutes? I was like, I'll do five. He was like, do 10. I was like, okay, I'll do 10. He was like, just keep doing material until we tell you to stop. And I was like, okay. So I just got up and I mean, the crowd was already piping hot and, you know, I did really great. And I heard that Whitney was another one of those that doesn't want comics in the green room or, or um, uh, she didn't want, apparently she didn't want comics in the hallway uh, watching her, watching the show and stuff. So when she came on the stage, I just, I was like, ladies and gentlemen, Whitney coming, she kind of, she came up and I just went out the other way. I just went off the stage and I never talked to her, never did anything, got my equipment at the end of the night and left. That's it. Wow. So, so she doesn't even let you really watch her? Apparently not. Apparently uh, we kept being told uh, that we couldn't, comics couldn't stand in the hallway. We couldn't wait in the green room uh, to hang out or anything. So, I mean, hey, everybody's got their own particulars. Right, right. Well, that's something I've also learned, I feel like, opening for people is, like, I think when I first started opening for people, I was way too chatty. Mm-hmm. And they need to focus on, they're about to do an hour, like, they need to focus on their shit. Like, that's something I I, I feel like I've learned is just to, like, shut the fuck up. Like, it's just not about mm-hmm. that's the thing i'll get the fuck out i'll get i'll get the crowd nice and hot for you that's right you know don't worry about it but i do uh, we had uh brian postane uh when he came he came to town once and i got on the bill with him at uh the auto bar like a different showroom and then when he started coming to magoobies every year that's when i asked andrew i was like can i get on the show and i would host for brian when he came and then the the last time he came to town um 
he apparently he had booked um, Denise Richards out of DC, like his manager. They, she has a manager. And so they booked Denise. Is her name Denise Richards? Denise Taylor. Denise. Denise. Denise Taylor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. So, um, but they booked her. And he was, I, I was like, yeah, I, I know Denise. That, that's pretty cool that, you know, we get to work together. And he was like, I thought she was from like California or something. And I was like, no, she's, she's from like DC. She's actually very well, very good comic here uh, in the area. And he was like, well, next time, how about you just feature for me? And I was like, yeah, I did it all the time, all the time and ever. And he plays D&D &D and we had him on our D&D &D podcast. We played D&D &D with him and stuff. Oh, and cool. uh, I took him out for sandwiches every time he comes. Nice. So. Man. There you go. That's another, you just got to be, if you're funny and that's the marketing, you have stuff in common, you have. Yeah. You got to be a good hang. If you're a good hang, then they'll want to work with you. Yeah. Well, well, there's good hang. And then like, there's also chemistry. Like there's some comics you meet yeah. are just like, this is well, I don't I Yeah. The, the person who I had the most chemistry with was uh, Tim Meadows. I worked with Tim Meadows and we got along like peas and carrots. I love and uh, and then the then the next time he came to town, like he was actually we were at the Comedy Factory in Baltimore, and I told him I was uh he was like uh what he was like is this like the best room and I was like well my, personally my favorite room is McGooby's which is like 15 minutes down the road and he was like do you think you could try to get me in there and I was like you're Tim Meadows I mean uh, I I get but so his but his own manager got him in there and he brought his own feature. So it really, it didn't matter. And he barely remembered me. So <laughs> here I am thinking, oh man, Tim Meadows is my best friend. And yeah, he was like, yep. and you are, yeah. what was your name again? Yeah. That happens too. And it's surprising yeah. too, but it's surprising too who does remember you. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's interesting, yeah, uh, like working for Ali Sadiq over at McGooby's and then you know we had a great time and I really liked his particulars because he kept the fridge stacked with Welch's grape but um <laughs> after it's in his rider it's amazing um and then the soda or the juice uh the grape juice the the oh, in nice. the cans yeah and um afterwards you know, maybe a year later, I'm doing this show up at the uh, Abraham Lincoln's house or whatever in, uh, in mm -hmm. D.C. The improv yeah, famous comedy club. And Matt Bergman was on it. And he goes, I'd never met Matt. And Matt goes, oh, Peter, yeah, I, uh, I heard about you from uh, other comics. And I'm like, OK, I'm thinking like it's probably going to be like, I don't know, some local yokel or whatever. And he's like, yeah, Ali Sadiq thinks really highly of you. Like, wow. <laughs> I was like, that's great to come back because he wouldn't have had any other way of knowing that. We weren't like Facebook friends or nothing. And then I made made it a point, you know, to go see him again the last time he was at Magoobies. I hosted for him again, but in the last year. And I showed up and he's like, how come you ain't doing the weekend? And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, well, come to a guest set, you know, like come tomorrow night, whatever. <laughs> Tight. So that's awesome. I had um I worked with Matthew Brassard. You guys know Matt Broussard? Oh, yeah, I did his, uh, I did his girlfriend show last night. Yeah. yeah okay. Okay. Yeah. I just I just talked to him on Instagram today. We were just conversating. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm gonna tell him that I just did a podcast with him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know him. I just I met his girlfriend and did her. She has a show in Brooklyn. I literally did it last mm -hmm. night. By the way, great show. It's called Brooklyn Underground, and she's awesome and super funny. What's her yeah, name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Laura Sogar, I think is how you pronounce her last name. But she. I'm not gonna even know, attempt like, it. 
like she's I feel like she's dating a guy that a lot of people know and like you can have a lot you know a lot of people might think whatever about her because she's dating a comic but she holds her own great and she's super funny mm-hmm. and the show is great cannot recommend it enough Brooklyn Underground didn't she just do she just went for the olympic trials for swimming didn't she that's right yeah yeah she had a whole thing she had a whole thing about that but she's a she's a really good comic really high yeah. energy you know i would i i like high energy girls i feel like there's not enough of them she was super high energy she there was like mic problem she hosted it there was like mic problems with me she handled it super well it's just great great and great that's awesome sold out awesome anyway we did at the beginning of the start. beginning of the pandemic uh, I got I I, ended, I was doing some voice acting thing for some voice acting project that's probably never going to see the light of day. It, but it had like Michael Winslow and Matt Broussard and it's it's just not going it's not going to go anywhere. But uh, <laughs> I the last time I was at McGooby's, uh, maybe back in May. Or, yeah, back in May. Uh, I didn't know who the headliner was and I was featuring and I walked in and the headliner was there and everybody's wearing masks. And I was like, hey, how's it going? I'm, he was like, you're Tommy. You're, you're Tommy Simbazo. I know from your voice. We did the voice acting thing. And I was like, then he took his mask off. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're that you're Matt. You're Matt. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's just weird the different, the circles that uh, tend to overlap and stuff. Right. That's one of the things I love about comedy, though, versus, you know, I did acting forever. I mean, I still do. But, you know, most of my career has been acting. And there's so many fucking actors. And <laughs> decisions in acting are not up to actors at all like actors don't recommend each other or help it's all these middlemen mm-hmm. and you also don't have to be like that skilled to do acting uh you really don't uh one of the things i love about acting school sham anyway but one of the things i love about comedy is like it's small enough where everybody's like one degree of separation away yeah and, and yeah absolutely 100 percent you end up running into people that, yeah, all over the place. Hold on for one second. Sure. I'm recording a podcast. Okay. I got the lead. Okay. We're having issues with setting up a phone for Leo. Okay. ACC Telecom is going to call on Monday. Okay. To try to run through the process. I asked them to talk to you if I'm not here. Okay. Yeah. I'll take care of it. Thanks. And have a good weekend. You too. Sorry, guys. Day job. Day job nice. stuff. I thought this was your own office. I mean, it just looks so... Yes, this is my comedy. This is just my writing studio. (laughs) Oh, my comedy. No, apparently, uh, I work in an office full of boomers that don't know how to work computers. And I'm not the IT guy, but if the IT guy's not here, I'm the IT guy. (laughs) (laughs) And it's stuff like, no, your vehicle warranty isn't... They can't help you with the extended thing. Just hang up. It's yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> so in your performance review, do you ever just go in and be like, I can shut this place down if you like don't hire <laughs> I mean, me and give me a five? I do have raise. the passwords. I do have the passwords to do that. Uh, <laughs> but no, I got I got fired uh, from I left this company to go to another company. Uh, then got fi- after a year and a half, got fired from that company. And this company just took me back. And so uh, I had to suck that dick. I'm like, I'm so sorry, but so sorry, Daddy. I'll never leave you again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Such is life. Sucking that D. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, so let me ask. Let me, there's something. 
Hold on. I want to ask you guys a question. Now it's time to interview you guys. Uh, I recently had a uh, an interaction with a a booker slash comedian that books bar shows and fire halls uh, that told me that the reason that they don't book me often to middle is because I end up outperforming the lineup and that I am not a team player and that I should learn to eat shit if I want to get paid. What do you guys think about sandbagging your set? for a thing it, to me it's ridiculous i personally think it's ridiculous to not go out and try your best because uh and it, it, i think he it's a fucking idiot go to his show and super, do well and fuck him i don't know who that is but fuck that guy don't just go and do well yeah you know that's that's absolutely obtuse i mean if yeah. you can't find somebody or you don't want to pay the nut to pay for a headliner that's even better with more time well, that's on you. But if you're going to hire a middle act or a front act or whatever, you can't tell people, yeah, you got to pare this down. Now, I understand that content restrictions like Andrew at McGooby's, and you know this with me because I remember you gave me a guest set and then he was like, all right, that was fine, but I don't want any fucks in the future. I want this. I want that. Because a lot of these touring guys will put that in their rider. They don't want their thunder yeah. stolen. At that point, it's like a big business. But if this is like you're booking, you know, Barney's Beanery, and uh, I don't want the fucking middle act to, you know, piss all over whatever friend. Yeah, well, and how am I supposed to know? Handling. Yeah, how am I supposed to know that your headliner or whoever's after me can't, you know, is, isn't prepared to do this show? Right. You know, by the so, way, and what that, I would do what I would do if I were you, I'd be like, yes. And then I would just go and do whatever I wanted. Like, oh, that, I like that. Like, I'm, not, I'm not above any stage time. I am. And I'm also not above lying. So I would just be like, yeah. Okay. And then just get off and say, you get off and say, hey, look, I tried to be 10% less funny. Uh, so yeah. I'm so sorry. If yeah, it that's it. You more. just tell them, be like, hey, yeah. I did my best to not be funny, but I crushed. Sorry. Well, let me ask yeah, you this. I'm is sorry. there any incentive to behave? Like, yeah. is this guy going to book you again and pay yeah. you big money? Is the it money, an expensive show? The, I mean, the money's like $300. For, for like a, middle a middle act, that's pretty damn good. That's like two shows yeah. in one. I understand. Yeah, so it's kind of like... Question. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. not like it's for it was drink tickets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Eat shit for these drink tickets. Yeah, hey, I would say if you I want would, a crab pretzel. <laughs> yeah. I would say yes and do whatever you want. Yeah. 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 That's just be like, okay, I'll eat shit and then be crush and be like, oops. Yeah, sorry. I tried. Yeah. I tried yeah. to be bad. Yeah, I did my that was my best eating shit. Yeah, I did everything but yeah. say the N-word. Yeah. <laughs> How much more do you want me to do? Yeah. No, because here's what will happen, too. You'll crush. You'll get your 300 bucks. And if you do bury the headliner, which you probably will, they'll have to pay you for headliner prices next show. Because that same mm -hmm. crowd at the fire hall say, hey, what happened to that guy with the, you know, jean jacket and the Under Armour pins? He was fucking amazing. I, I've, that's happened with me with a lot of these local bars. You know, I'll put in middle mm -hmm. act and then they'll say we want him back to headline or whatever. And then I'll get booked like a month or two later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's always been my thing. If you're not, if you feel that you can impress the booker by going out and doing your best, if you're, even if you're not, the, you know, if you're not the headliner and then with my, you know, my mindset is that if I go out and do my best and crush, then next time they'll put me at, you know, at the headliner spot. Yeah. Right. 
you just you're showing them what you can do that's right no one's i feel like no you're gonna get booked again i mean there's no way that like people are gonna leave that show happier and the booker is gonna be like fuck that guy for making my show better like that's yeah. just, not, that just makes sense. <laughs> how dare he make those people feel like they got their money's worth yeah it, it just, <laughs> You know, he might end up like that anger is just automatically going to get transferred to the headliner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. But especially when you're doing their, their, their thing is that, and they won't admit it is that uh, they're getting these, they're booking these fire halls and putting headliners because the headliners have name recognition. So they're getting ticket sales based on that. Right. And, you know, I'm sorry that no one knows who I am. But that happens all the time, by the way. Like, that's a big part of comedy. And, like, there have been a lot of headliners who have named feature acts that later blew up that were like, I was afraid to follow my feature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That has happened. Like, that's not an unknown thing in comedy. And I feel like the right kind of headliner will be like, fuck, that feature is good. You know, maybe I should be an agent or something. You know, like, a good headliner is confident about that. Yeah. Not... Like I've always thought, like if if I do a show and someone buries me, uh, okay. uh, but if someone buries me, then it's my job as a headliner to then tell the booker this person should be headlining. Your next show that you need a headliner, you need to book this person as a headliner. It's all about pulling up the comics that you see something in, That's and right. not pushing down comics because you want the spotlight. That's right. That's right. And usually, I mean, sometimes I get it if it's someone who's like maybe a similar casting to you, but usually you don't get put as a feature if it's, if people are going to see two of the same thing. Sometimes I have been booked that way, which I think is always a huge mistake. And I always really get along with the headliner, whatever girl, cause I'll, I'll get booked with like a girl that I'm like the same casting as and those are always like the most fun to do because we become like best friends. But I always think from a booking uh-huh. standpoint, that's stupid. It's like if I do better then it's just like, it's like two versions of the same chick, but like <laughs> usually that doesn't happen. When that doesn't happen, I feel like it's, you know, why not bring up that person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I want to see my comedian friends rise above me. I, I, I don't. Yeah. And, and even if and if they do great, it just pushes me to do better in my set. Yeah. You know what right. I mean? Like, I, I don't get I just don't get their mindset. Yeah. Uh, A lot of insecurity up in this biz. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All the time. Yep. Well, that's where comedy comes from. It's a it's, a, it's a self-defense mechanism <laughs> that we've found a way to make money off of. That's true. Yep, yep. And we all thought it was, you know, about conquering our insecurities even. But once we found out money was involved, we're like, fuck that. Not even to tell money. my headliner to fuck off, you know? Yeah, not even money. Like, there's so much <laughs> ego. There's so much ego and insecurity. I got to be the king of the fire hall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where you get people like, this is my fucking show. I, well, I heard uh, there was comedian, um, I'm not going to name the, okay, so comedian Justin Schlegel actually said that he was working with another well-known comic with a one-word name. I'm not going to say who it was, but it's not Gilbert, but the other half. And he ah, yes. said <laughs> that. <laughs> I've worked with him. But I know he said mean. that. He said that he was working with him at the Comedy Factory. He did the first night. He said he fucking crushed. And then the headliner went up. And he said in between shows, the headliner passed him in the hallway and told him, stay in your lane. 
And then he got called into the office and they fired him from middling. Uh, he didn't finish out the weekend. Fuck off. Wow. Yeah. That's so fucked up. It's insanity. Yeah. That's so fucked up. Huh. So yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of insecurity where it could have been where this could, the guy could really, like, Hey man, you're, I'm going to recommend that you headline here. Yeah. You know, I've gotten told, I got told by the night, the sweetest compliment that I've gotten from a headliner was uh, when he was packing up his stuff at the end of the thing. He said, Hey man, you are very hard to follow. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. That's really nice. And I was like, that's, that's a be Thank you. Can you yeah, say I who that was, or was that something personal? I don't want to. I don't ah. want to put him out there like that. Yeah, I, I, I like had him. somebody. I had somebody who, who <laughs> very sweetly to me was like, "I feel like you did better than I did today," and I was like, and, <laughs> and that person was very. She was very, or this person, sorry, was like very nice, and it made me feel really good. And she was, she was, or this person, yeah, sorry, yeah, was very sweet about it. And it was like a what, and you know, it was just like during the one show, but it made me feel so nice. And, you know, there wasn't anything like weird about it. It was just like, well, I feel like that one, it, it, it was, this person was just like, you did better than me today. Now there is, there is the other part of that where uh, I did a show with someone that had been talking shit about me and they were up, I told the booker to put me right before him with, and my whole intention was to just fucking bury him. So they had to eat dick uh, because they had been talking shit about me. Nice <laughs> so job. There's definitely I've done I've done I've only done that once though. And now we're very now that comic and I are good friends. So nice. I actually miss uh, before a pandemic at that draft at the draft house open mic, I started asking them to put me behind the hardest person to follow. Oh remember this. I felt confident enough that they that if I bombed, like they would still book me as an open mic. And that was probably like, the best comedic exercise I ever did. Cause like I had to follow some really difficult people and like people who were coming in like from LA, New York and that no one else wanted to follow. I was like, I'll try. And I was like, a yeah. 50, but you have to turn your shit up. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's some of that. If you, if you do that, you got to fucking deliver. There's no yeah. like, yeah. And I you put your drink, you don't drink that night. You get everything yeah. good to go. Yeah. And I ate shit 50% of the time. But I feel like it was like the best learning experience. Like, hey, fifty percent of the time you didn't, and that's right. what matters. Right. Like yeah. there was times like I followed Kason Wilson once and crushed after him, and that was like, and he's so high energy. I felt so good after that. I was like, okay, <laughs> that's a great feeling. Yeah, I was like, you just you you just have to go in hot, like on that level. Like you can't. Mm -hmm. Do you want to hear about VR comedy? So I know yes. we were talking about yes. before. We were talking about that beforehand. Tell me about VR comedy mm -hmm. during the pandemic. Okay, we're now living. We're now living in an age where there is a VR headset that costs three hundred dollars that you don't need to hook up to your computer. It's its own self-contained thing that you put on your head. And there's an app on there called Alt Space VR, where a guy, a comic named Kyle Render, about a year ago, um, came up with the idea to start doing comedy in this social app. Uh, where people are just meeting up and like people are doing karaoke and stuff like that. And he told some guy like, Hey, we should cut this. We should try comedy in this. So they made, they have, now he has three comedy clubs in it and there's shows Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. 
Uh, the only bad part is that it starts at 10 p.m. for us because he's in Texas. Right. So 7 p.m. for him, 10 p.m. for us. You make your own little avatar that is puppeted by your controllers and your head movement. You can move forward and back and everything. You can talk to people um, and you go into this club and it's like it feels like you're at a club. There's a bouncer. The bouncer is dressed like Mario. Uh, his name's hey. Arlo <laughs> or his name's Argo. It's Argo. Uh, but uh, I always go in, I'll dap up Argo, but hey, man, what's going on? Uh, and I'll, if people are making too much noise or being disruptive, it's his job to jump over the bar and boop, just boot him out of the app. And uh, there's, <laughs> there's regulars, there's people that come to every comedy show, uh, but I've never performed for less than 40 people. And it's 40 audience members. It's not, their, their open mics have 40 plus people that are there to watch comedy. So you can try out material uh, without having to burn it on comedians that, you know, don't give a fuck. They're just waiting right. for their turn. Okay. Uh, and, and you hear laughter. Uh, you can shoot, a, they shoot emojis into the air and everything. Uh, and there's a green room where you can go and hang out with other comics and everything. Now, the guy Kyle is actually either tonight or tomorrow, this being the 25th or 20, this is the 25th. He's doing the first uh, live action slash VR comedy show um in a um i think it's called the space bar or something at uh in vegas where he has his lineup is going to vegas they're performing backstage wearing their vr headsets uh in the virtual comedy club and then there's a three camera shoot that will be projected to a showroom in vegas with a live audience and a camera aimed at the live audience that that camera feed will show up in the alter uh, the vr club so that comics can see the real world club and get uh so not only do you have your 50 people in your vr room but then however many tickets they sold for the event and then at the end of the night uh the headliner from that show he's going to be like ladies and gentlemen please welcome your headliner the headliner is going to come out and do 10 extra minutes for the live action for the crowd and then he'll say thank you and ladies and gentlemen please uh, give it up for your comedians that you saw tonight. And then all the comics will come from backstage. They had all been there at the same, at the same time. Uh, and it's, and Kyle's a great guy and you really start, uh, it's just so much fun. It's its own little community. It's its own little thing. And it, it feels like a cartoon dream world that you get to do comedy in. Do you feel like this is going to be like the future of comedy? I do feel that it has its place. I yeah. think it has its place more than zoom comedy does. Yeah. Zoom uh, is terrible. Yeah, I'm hoping Zoom comedy will it's going to Zoom comedy isn't going to die, but it's just going to limp along by, you know, the roadside. I think it'll, like this, it'll just be a slow death. But yeah, but this, I think um, it has so many applications. Like, a matter of fact, when I'm when I'm done with you guys tonight, I'm going to Ellicott City where um, there's the Ellicott Silly Comedy Festival. We're going to try to put on a VR showcase at a virtual reality bar. Uh, in Ellicott City for the comedy festival. And if that works, then that can be something, that can be a model that Kyle can then pitch to festivals all over the world saying, right. hey, and then you can perform at a festival without even putting clothes on. You know what I'm saying? That's, That's awesome. I mean, it, that this is a thing that probably Edinburgh would, would be interested in. Right. I mean, because they always like that fringe kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, it has, it. I definitely think it has its place. It, it's just, it's not there yet. It's, but it is getting close to being there, especially now that there's a headset that you don't need a computer for that you, that for $300, you put something on. I play golf in it. We play, uh, we play, I play games together with my friends and stuff. And it's like, 
Yeah, the Oculus Quest 2. Yeah. I've heard I've heard about people watching porn on that and that being pretty insane. Also. Uh, I wouldn't know anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not why I bought it. Uh, <laughs> I do get all my VR porn from a guy named Gary, though. Gary, if you're listening, shout out, Gary. <laughs> I wanted to, I want to I will try virtual reality comedy. I feel like it'll be, it'll be. I tell you, if you guys, if you ever get access to a headset, let me know all you yeah. need. And I, Kyle, Kyle likes that I keep bringing him comics because anytime I found out a comic has a headset, I'm like, hey, do you have a demo of you doing comedy before the pandemic? If you have those two things, I'll get you in touch with Kyle and you'll you'll do the open mic on a Thursday first. And then uh, you're open for Friday and Saturday shows. And now Kyle's to the point where every week he hits me up and he's like, hey, do you want some time this week? And I get to work on new material yeah. uh, without having to go to a comedy club. That's awesome. That's awesome. I might, my brother-in-law reason- has headsets, so I might borrow his. You should steal it from him. Say, hey, you're not using this. Let me oh, just take he uses this. it. That's how I know about the phone. Oh, okay. So you mentioned, Tommy, <laughs> they give you like emojis and stuff on this VR, the audience does, but do they heckle through chat like the way some of these other shows have been doing or do they give there them are, that capability? Uh, no, no, no. There's no chat. Everything is oh, – that's unless, good. I mean it is it is a uh, Sisyphean task to po- – you have to point it to chat to someone. You have to point at them. You have to click and that you then you click message and then it'll bring up a keyboard right in front of you and then you have to point at each letter oh, okay. indiv- it's so much of a ha- so it's better to just talk to people and um anytime someone starts heckling or says anything out of line they the mario brothers jump in jump on their head wow. and they're fucking out of there that's so awesome yeah. that's so it's we saw a comic get thrown off stage for saying a racist joke. <laughs> so yeah. it's just like real comedy. Yeah. He fucking, yeah. Yeah. It was a better uh, bouncer, man. it sounds like. <laughs> but there was, uh, yeah. And uh, it, yeah, I, if, if you if you ever have the opportunity to do VR comedy, I highly should. Matter of fact, I'll send, I'll, I have a demo. Yeah. I have a VR comedy demo that's like 12 minutes long that it's just me doing a really good set in VR. So it's my avatar and it's like a, a cartoon demo. That's awesome. Cool. I want to see that. I sent it to a booker and they were like, do you have a real demo? <laughs> well, I was like, yeah, okay. Okay, here you go. Like, that's fine. <laughs> uh, you want a flesh and blood demo? All yeah. right, boomer. So old school, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you guys are so old school. Can't believe you don't like this demo. <laughs> So, hey, tell us what you got coming up. Oh, I got, um, do, 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 do. I put out, I begged for work on Facebook and it worked. Uh, so my calendar is now. Suit. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. <laughs> did you get bookings out of it? Yeah, absolutely. Almost mm. immediately. Oh, you did? That's why yeah. that booker. That worked? Yeah. I was like, that's not going to work. Yeah. Play. You that just worked. say. Yeah, because I was like, basically, I've got this headline set. And I think that's a way to sell it, too, because it's like, all right, I got a goal. This isn't like Johnny Bananas here. I got a headline in a couple months. I need practice. We're getting out of a pandemic. So I was like, I need tens. I don't even need money like that. And people just started sending me all these avails and some with cash, too. So it's like, wow, I can't believe that. Yeah, I have um, to do um, it, too. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah just beg for work 
Yeah. I even got you do that. I was like, uh uh-uh, uh, that's not gonna work. And it didn't. Wow. There was even uh, someone that I met. Um, we had her on our podcast, but she runs um uh she was running uh Zoom comedy shows and then does live action shows. And she hit me up and she's from Utah. And she was like, Hey, uh, if you want to come headline our show in Utah in October. Uh, we'd love to have you. And she was like, although it's a Halloween show, so you might have to wear a costume. And I was like, oh, oh you mean I get to perform in a costume? <laughs> you, you want me to perform? Can I bring my dragon? Why do you bring my dragon? <laughs> yeah, they're going to make you do dress <laughs> Yeah, what are you, you going to dumb me down? I ain't eating shit for you. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I got, uh, I'll be hosting Nottingham's on uh, Tuesday. Well, let me do this. On Wednesdays, if any guys are listening, on Wednesdays on Facebook, if you go to Laugh Finder Podcast on Facebook, we do a show called Laugh Finder Game Night, where we have a guest on, we interview them for about 15 minutes, and then the rest of the night we play Jackbox games with them and the audience. Uh, Like, we'll play Quiplash, we'll play Joke Boat, we have a game called What the Dub, where it shows uh, shows clips from old movies, and then one, one of the lines will be bleeped out, and you have to fill in what the line is, and then it reads it. Uh, so that's a lot of fun. Uh, we also, I also have uh, the Laugh Finder podcast that we record on Tuesdays. We just started our new season, our new campaign. So if you like comedy and Dungeons and Dragons, uh, it's right up here. Even if you don't like Dungeons and Dragons, you're just like hearing the, like, it's going to get us canceled one day. We say such horrible things on there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we're not Shane Gillis, but. Uh, um, <laughs> Uh, then I'll be at uh, Twin Pan Z on the 9th of July. I have, um, what is that? The uh, uh, the Lou Room in Baltimore on the 23rd. Uh, we have Murder Mysteries. You can go to dialaughingproductions.com and check out those events there. Just all over my calendar. It's twofold, really. Just look at, if, if you follow me on Facebook, you'll hear about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you're going to be joining us for our show on July yeah. the 7th. That's 70. right. July 7th. You are booked. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. I, can't believe it. I mispronounced. Yeah, I mispronounced it and called it Laugh Finder. What I meant to say was. <laughs> uh, draft Finder. Draft Finder. <laughs> July 7th. I'll be. And, and hey, what time is that show at for everybody? 7 p.m. 7 p.m. See, I knew. I got it. 7 p.m. Wednesday, July 7th. We have I'm super excited Wednesday. about that. Where, what? Every first Wednesday of the month, the Countercurrent Show. The next one, July 7th. Nice. Yep, we're going to have a lot of great comics on there. Um, we got some open spots still. So, you know, hit us up yeah. if you, you know, want to. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know. Hey, can, can Eric Woodworth come? I'll get Eric on there. He can come. Right. Well, uh, I have no objection, Elena. I don't know who that is, so I can't. I can't object. Ah. It's funny. It's funny. It'll be funny. He, 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 <laughs> oh, he's just the worst comic that I know. Yeah. No, he's no. It's great. No, he's fantastic. Right. Normally, though, we don't really book until people been on the show. Yeah. But hey, uh, hey the night time go kick rocks. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to come. Well, he could do the podcast. I just want him to drive. That's right. Yeah. Uh, 
Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> Elena and I shall confer because yeah, I actually we'll would like to have him on the podcast. Yeah, too, we, and, yeah, we could have chat on the podcast. That's, He's funny. that's the rule. You don't get on the show until you do the podcast, which there are comedians that, that I refuse to book because they won't do the podcast. <laughs> and there's comedians <laughs> that I will refuse to put on the podcast because I don't want them on the show neither. That's right, also. <laughs> <laughs> Look out next week for Mom Tires, comedian hey, Mom yeah, Tires on the show. All right, everybody. Well, we want to thank Tommy Simbazo for joining with us today. And where can they find you on social media? Uh, you can go to TommySimbazo.com, but it won't really take you anywhere because uh, my website disappeared. I have no idea where my website went, but it is not at the end of my URL. Uh, but you can always hear us on the Laugh Finder podcast. You can go to laughfinderpod.com. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's about it. That's where you can find me. It's Tommy Simbazo everywhere on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Grinder, uh, wherever you, yeah, wherever you want to find me. I'll suck your dick. Facets. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't above it. Hey. <laughs> Let's get it. All right, cool. Well, follow us on Countercurrents DC on Instagram and the Facebook page, Countercurrents Steelborn DC, Elena Blondita on uh, Instagram. I think she still has Twitter. I do not. I've, I still have Twitter, but I don't really use it. And I'm probably going to delete it soon because that's the kind of thing if things go well, I'll get canceled for some bullshit I did years ago. 100%. I oh, yeah. So, Clearly. Oh, yeah. So I should, yeah. I should just get rid of it. So don't yeah. follow just follow me on Instagram. Amen. <laughs> Stick to pictures, no thoughts. That's right. <laughs> mm. Mm. <laughs> cool, cool. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in, Tommy. Thanks again, and we'll look forward to. Hey, seeing thanks, you guys, for seven. having me. This was a this was a blast. I'm looking forward to working with you guys. That's going to yeah. be great. Great, let's do it. Yeah. All right. I'll eat shit for you guys if you want. I'll sandbag my set. <laughs> oh. Oh, gee. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.